comes the money. You're now listening to the Gambling with Gold podcast with Jason Gold. Presented by Champions Round. What is going on? Welcome to Gambling with Gold. My name is Jason Gold, and we are here to preview Game 3 of the NBA Finals. As always, I am joined by my buddy from the Action Network, Dan Titus. Dan, how are we doing this Tuesday, and are you ready for Game 3 of this series? I'm ready for Game 3. As much as I was like advocating for, hey, these guys maybe need some rest. This two-day window of waiting is just too much for me, um, especially after Game 3 or Game 2, where we didn't really see the, the Boston Celtics play in the fourth quarter or really the stars um kind of disappointing to get back into that blowout um scenario but you know game three this is a whole new series now it's tied up one one going back to boston should be really exciting you know we got two good games in a row with the boston celtics game seven and then game one so we were probably due for a clunker yeah as soon as that as soon as that third quarter happened again for the warriors by the way thank you Dan Titus is the third quarter Warriors God. Uh, we just max that every time. I, I think yeah. they're up like, it's like plus 38 in the series already in the third quarter. This team is just ridiculous. Crazy. Crazy. Um, but I think that once we saw that uh, during game two, we were like, okay, there's no chance the Celtics are doing this again in game four. And I think they came out and they missed their first three. And I was like, oh, I don't have to watch this shit anymore. I don't even, <laughs> Curry didn't even come back in for the, the fourth quarter. It's just like the Jordan Poole show. Yep. Taking shots from about 40 feet out, who gives a shit, and just dunking them. <laughs> Meanwhile, those are the only shots he's hit in the series thus far. So, <laughs> right. I don't know. Very interesting. Series tied up 1-1. Looking at the odds at BetMGM right now. The series odds, Golden State minus 115. Boston minus 105. For game three, the odds, Warriors plus 3.5. Money line plus 135. Boston minus 3.5. Money line minus 160. Over under 212.5. What's your kind of initial expectation for how you see this game going on uh, Wednesday? Yeah, my, my initial lean is that I'm probably going to be live betting it. I, I do like Boston to kind of come out. They've been very good in the first quarter in the first two games. Um, so part of me is leaning towards the Boston Celtics first quarter, maybe even the first half. Because um, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Boston Celtics respond here. Because really it was like an energy thing to me. Um, both of the catalysts of both teams are, are really Draymond Green and Marcus Smart. As much as these teams, as those guys are going, the teams kind of go alongside with them because Tatum got his right. Like he, he's going to score 20. He's going to come up. He's going to abrupt uh, erupt at some point. And he did. He had like 28 points and didn't even play in the fourth quarter. Um, but the defensive matchup that I saw that was the biggest difference was Draymond Green going on Jalen Brown after the first quarter. And he just completely shut him down. And then, you know, with between the technicals and just the way that he was livening up the crowd, it seemed like he just took all of the Boston Celtics out of their game. So is that going to happen on the on the flip side? Is Marcus Smart going to be that defensive player of the year, agitator, you know, the one that's really going to get the, the crowd into it and really kind of ruffle the, the rhythm for the Warriors? And I, I think that could definitely happen, which is why I like uh, Boston early on. And then we'll see really how valuable that Warriors third quarter is. I think it's more of a home play, mm-hmm. personally. I don't know that they're going to be able to – get continue to have this point differential in the third quarter away from from chase center but um certainly going to be something interesting to watch so first quarter line right now boston minus one and a half money line minus 150 first half boston minus two and a half money lines minus 160 there uh i do think that boston is gonna i think they're probably gonna have their way in game three early i do think that the warriors i do think that's more of a, a home play but yeah. if you look historically or at least this season 
they're just a third quarter team. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's road home splits are still fine. I expect them to come out after halftime with great adjustments. That's what Kerr probably separates himself from all other coaches in the league is his ability to game time at halftime. Right. No, you're exactly right. And, you know, I think also, you know, it's kind of hard to get a, a read on Boston um, because we didn't really get to see them put up a fight in the fourth quarter, which I was kind of mad at. You know, I know there's a lot of people that had some player props, you know, on the <laughs> fringe of a fringe of hitting there. And then Ime Odoka just decides to sit the, the starters with nine minutes left in the game. I thought that was a really interesting decision, but I, I wonder if he's just playing the long game, being that they already stole one in 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 uh, Golden State uh, or in, in California. So now it's like, do you do you force your hand, maybe make some fourth quarter adjustments? It probably didn't make sense to do that. Maybe he's going to show his hand more and what he's kind of seeing out of the the Warriors that he can implore in the game three and, po and possibly take the lead back in the series. So curious to see with the Jedi mind tricks that they, these guys are playing from a strategic and uh, execution standpoint. I'm very interested to see what Steve Kerr and Ime Adoka have to do in game three because Kerr showed his hand first. He was he forced to. He, plays, he, he played Bielitsa. He played Gary Payton. He did some interesting stuff with his lineup. And you know what? To, you can't lose two at home. You had to show your hand first. Exactly. Now Udoka comes back, and I'm interested to see, especially from a gambling perspective, what do you think his adjustments will be? Because that's most likely where we're going to end up finding the most value in player props. Uh, before we get to that, I have a lot of storylines that I want to go through, and then we'll talk about player props at the end. Is that good with yeah. you? Yeah, All it's right. good. So Golden State Warriors bench and role players on the road. Do you think that because of these guys, they're not the old Warriors? A lot of these guys are new. They don't have a lot of a ton of finals experience. So you know that Dre, Clay, and Steph are going to show up. Iguodala is probably out for the series at this point. Basically yeah. means you you have a lot of guys who have never played a road game of any sort of substance. They've been up in every series. So now you're going 1-1 to Boston, a crowd that's going to be absolutely insane. They haven't had an NBA Finals game there since 2010. This is going to be something special. So are you concerned about the road players – or, sorry, are you concerned about the Warriors players on the road in this matchup against the Celtics? You know, before that third quarter explosion on Jordan Poole, man, I was ready to fade him immediately yeah. going on the road because I think he's he's really showed out very well in home games. But, you know, and just looking at some of the numbers, he's actually fared pretty well on the road um, going over – um, I think his PRA is currently set at 17 and a half. He's done that. He's gone over that in seven, five of seven games. So 71% hit rate there, but I don't know, man, something tells me that he's not going to find as much success in, in Boston here in the NBA finals, because he really got hot in the right moment. You know, the half court shot, a couple of dagger threes. I think he was just really feeding off the crowd and that momentum that he won't have in Boston. And I don't know that he has that killer, that killer in him yet that I've seen. So I'm probably going to be looking to fade his PRA at 17 and a half. Um, I think he can score 12 and a half points. I just wonder about everything else. And we know that he can be turnover prone. And if he gets a little sloppy, wouldn't be surprised if Steph Curry gets checked in there a little bit earlier um, and pull the hook on him. Cause Steve Kerr does have a short leash when, when people get a little bit reckless minus yeah, Draymond Green, but so pool, I definitely want to fade in this game. I agree that he's more of a home player than he is an away player. Also, so he was not good in game one at all. And he was not really good in game two until he really wasn't. the third quarter. It's like third quarter, he, right. He put up trash like 
I think the fourth quarter he was the only one that was playing, and I was mad at Steve Kerr. I was like, why is Poole in there? But Otto right. Porter's not in there. Like, I need to hit my own. Clay Thompson and a half. was freaking in there to, for like half the quarter, too, not doing what, anything. What are you doing? Put in uh, <laughs> Steph's brother in law or whatever. The guy, 15, yeah, Damian, like, Lee. Damian Lee. Yeah. yeah. Get, him on, get him on the court. Get Otto Porter on the court. Get Moody and Kaminga on the court. Yeah. With Clay Thompson, you're up 35 in a final game. <laughs> Clay just tore his fucking Achilles and his knee and back to back. Your guy didn't play for 950 days. You're playing him in the fourth quarter up 30? Okay. Sorry. That was a bit of a rant there, but it was ridiculous to me. So, Jordan Poole, I'll take the under there. The other thing is, he is so horrid defensively. He's not, People have been calling him a pylon. He's the worst than that. He's, you know, at the car wash or the uh, like car stores where the, like, the floating balloon thing that does this shit. The guys that stay outside just yeah. like this. Like, doesn't, the move, corner. <laughs> doesn't move his feet at all. Just hands waving randomly yeah so that's jordan Poole on defense he's trash which is a reason why they brought in a lot of minutes towards gary payton i do think that yeah. Otto porter is going to end up getting some of uh pool's minutes too and i i i would take the if there was a line that said under on minutes for jordan Poole at like 22 and a half i would smash the under i don't think he's gonna yeah. play that much in game three yeah i don't think he's going to be as much of a factor and then the other angle is you know we talked about what adjustments is are the are the Celtics going to make. Al Horford was awful in Game Two, um, yeah. and Derek White also kind of came back. Eh, he kind of came back to, to to Earth a little bit, but he still had a really good game. I think he's going to continue to be in, very involved um, off the bench. I think he's a good defensive player, a guy that you know. The thing that I thought that Poole was going to do was take advantage of those bench minutes and take over that second unit. Derek White's been playing really good defense, so. Um, I, that's another reason why I, I'm kind of fading Jordan Poole, um, just because Derek White is playing really well uh, thus far through the first two games, and I don't think that that's going to go away. Um, but Grant Williams, I'm curious, is he going to see some minutes now that uh, maybe Robert Williams, that's a guy that I'm looking to fade as well. Yeah, um, He looked like he was hurt, and man, he, he's, he hasn't played more than 24 minutes in each of the first two games. Only saw 14 in the last one. Came up, hobbled under after hitting his knee, and like anytime... Robert Williams and a knee injury happens like I'm I'm worried. So I wouldn't be surprised if they run a little bit smaller. Maybe we'll see Daniel Tice, who hasn't been great either off the bench. But, you know, I got to feel like Robert Williams isn't going to be as healthy or as ready to play um, like he was in game one after after uh, coming up with that little knee injury and really just getting played off the court too. the Warriors just torched him uh, in, on the perimeter. So I'm looking at Robert Williams props right now, under five and a half rebounds, under five and a half points, under 11 and a half PRA. Yeah. Kind of like all of those numbers. Uh, and I was reading your boy, Matt Moore's article on action network about the spacing issues that Robert Williams creates when right. Jalen Brown and Jason T uh, Tatum try to drive to the lane and he's right there. He's standing there. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and if a guy like Clay Thompson or Draymond green is guarding Williams at the block, all they have to do is step in the lane. They're right there. And those are both good defensive players. So, really create some issues for their offense. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go away from him. And yeah. I don't think that they need, I mean, yeah, Looney's okay inside and Wiggins has been getting a lot of slashes like we thought before the series, but yeah. you don't really need a big guy against this team. So I, I wouldn't be surprised no. to see Robert Williams kind of out of the rotation, which is, brings, me to me, brings me to one of my other points here. Boston's rotation doesn't seem like it's set to me, which is we were talking about er earlier, what Udoka is going to do in game three. I think that figuring out which of, Williams, Grant Williams, Pritchard, White, what that mix is, is yeah. going to dictate a lot of how the rest of the series is going to go. I think the game three might be the most important game that Udoka coaches this series in terms of 
laying a blueprint for how you can beat the Warriors and how they're going to do it the rest of the series. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think those Peyton Pritchard has actually been really, really good off the bench as well. Um, I do think we're going to see more Grant Williams, maybe a little bit more tight just to match up with Looney primarily. But otherwise, I think you're right. Um, as Matt Moore pointed out with that spacing issue, um, Al Horford's really the only one that's versatile enough to be able to stretch and create and, and still, I mean, that's, that's where the, the Celtics are at their best is when they're actually spreading the ball around and not relying on ISO. And if you can open up those lanes, you can dish it out. Al Horford can still sit in the corner and hit a three as well as Grant Williams. So I just think that gives them more versatility when they don't have that big man on the court, but then also Draymond Green's also not really that much of a threat to score anymore. So yeah. Yeah, part of me thinks that like they're just going to run a little bit faster, quicker pace with with some more versatile guys that can run up and down the floor and also uh, sit behind the three-point line, clear out space, and let Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown create. The interesting part for them going to a more creation offense, passing the ball a little bit more, moving it around, is that's kind of where the Warriors thrive defensively. They're great at getting the lanes right. and creating transition. Very so, and, and the Celtics have been kind of sloppy in both games, specifically game two. So it, it's on them to not only have a creative offense and move the ball and have like a good flow to the game, but also somehow combine that with taking care of the ball. Because it is kind of a risky proposition to go against the Warriors in that style. It, it is. And I mean, the turnover battle was certainly won by the, the Warriors in game two. Um, and that's really, I think, where the discipline is really going to be vital for the, the Boston Celtics here because they were just reckless with it. And I think once the third quarter got away from them, I mean, it's interesting how this series so far has been a tale of two quarters Yeah, because the, the Warriors were definitely in the game up until the fourth quarter where they just went on that seven Oh run in the first or the beginning of the first three minutes of that fourth quarter. And then, you know, they pretty much lost it after that. And then the third quarter for the Boston Celtics was like, damn, they were in the game in the first half and then, you know, blew, blew the brakes off of it. So I'm curious as what, what your thought is on the total here at two twelve. Um, my lean is the under here. I, I think that this is where we're going to see these d- defensive adjustments actually be made. And I'm curious of whether Steph Curry can actually be stopped here. I, I think this, I was looking at his points, uh, points line at 28 and a half and on the road with some defensive matchups, learn a couple different things after watching him, you played the drop coverage, got beat, you switched everything. He still got every, whatever he wanted. There's going to be a couple of players out there that got to show some different match, uh, some different looks for him to kind of contain him. And honestly, at this point, I, I'd let Clay Thompson and the other people try to beat me, not Steph, because uh, they're the ones that I think need to prove it more uh, that they need to put the ball in the hoop and on, on the road, especially more. So, um, yeah, I'm curious to see what your what your thoughts are on uh, Steph Curry, his props, as well as, uh, you know, what they could potentially do to uh, even contain him or, or get others if they're going to get other people involved. So I think that the Celtics can try to do a little bit of the Luka Doncic treatment where Steph's going to get his. We don't have to force our entire defense to go cover him. If he goes nuclear, you know, it's probably going to happen anyways. But we can contain everyone else. Make Clay beat us. Make Draymond beat us. Make Wiggins and Poole. All these guys who are either unproven or not their full selves at this point. And, you know, if Steph drops 40 a game and you hold them to 100, you're probably going to win these. So I don't know. Uh, I probably wouldn't take either side of the Steph one. I anticipate that he'll probably shoot a little bit worse in Boston, uh, a little bit more uh, focus on getting hands in his face. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't want to take either side. I do think as the series goes on that we're going to see a lot more unders. Uh, so two, 12 and a half right now. I like the under there. Uh, I think the Boston's going to be a really tough place for Golden State to to shoot well, especially the guys off the bench. So it would be 
on Clay basically to have a huge game. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's probably some correlation between the under and Clay having it under in this game. Um, I, you know, I think Golden State's probably going to have some more answers than they did in Game Two for Boston's offense, and I don't expect Boston to ever have a quarter like they did in the fourth uh, again this series. If you look at, I think it was still in that Matt Moore article, the amount of closeouts on contested threes versus uncontested threes for the Warriors against Boston in Game One, it was like they had like 40 open shots, and in Game Two it was 23. I expect that number to stay pretty low. So I don't expect Boston to have a 120 or 130 point game in them in this series. So yeah, I'd right. probably lean, I'd probably lean towards the under 212 and a half. You're you're with me there? Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, a couple more points before we get to some more bets uh for game three. I want to talk about Draymond a little bit because I agree with you. We talked about it earlier in the podcast, how much his energy and kind of that, you know, fuck you attitude was just amazing in that game. Yeah. Uh getting into it with Grant Williams, he almost got thrown out of the game. Uh, I mean, he probably should have been thrown out of the game. But probably should have been thrown out of the game, yeah. The, the refs know this. Well, one, they, they already took him away from the 2016 one, and the Warriors are still pissed about that. So I don't know if they want to get into that. But, uh, yeah, he probably should have been kicked out, but they know this is the NBA Finals. Well, um, then he went on his podcast afterwards and said, hey, I got I got this kind of freedom now. They know who yeah. I am. Like, I'm going to use it. And I'm like, damn, that's bold. Like, it's wild how. Yeah, maybe don't say that during the series, buddy. <laughs> right. Like, it's just wild to me how now the player empowerment movement allows you to just get on a mic and literally say what you want uh, in the midst of a series while, you know, you still have like, you know, uh, several games left. So I'm curious to see how those road those road refs uh, kind of play with the Draymond whistle there. Also, some fun stuff like him and Grant Williams, like that is the perfect celebrity boxing match in like 20 <laughs> years when they're like 55 and they both weigh like 310 pounds. That's going to be a great matchup. Udoka coming out afterwards, he said, I would have loved playing against Raymond Green. I would have immediately gotten a double tech. That was like, <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. So I yeah. was like, you could have been my coach any day, except for you're the Celtics coach. But <laughs> right, right, that, was, exactly. that was awesome. Uh, I'm wondering if he can keep up that sort of pace and energy on the road uh, when he doesn't have the chase crowd to feed off of. And if the refs are even going to allow him to do so. Yeah, I'm going to f- I think I'm going to fade his PRA too, man. It's a uh, 22 and a half right now I'm seeing it. Um and he's only gone over that in two of seven road games so far in the playoffs. And you know, as much as he impacted that game, um it wasn't from a statistical perspective, man. He's going to continue to set the on-ball screens for Steph Curry. He's going to get a lot of the hockey assists. Um rebounding wise with them switching everything, I think, you know, Wiggins we've seen him be more of just as good of a rebounder as, as Draymond's yeah. been for many of the last two series. So I think that the rebound share is going to be spread amongst the team. And then assist is probably his, his highest um, opportunity. But if they're on the road and they're struggling and people aren't hitting as many shots as they were at home, I don't know. If he's not scoring, that that's the, the main driver to me that I think is going to have to get him over 22 and a half. So I, I like the under here. I am probably also leaning towards the under there. The rebounding is just... It's highly variable. I think he had 10 it in the is. first game and six in the second game. Like right. he could easily have 10 or 11 in this game, just depending on where the ball bounces. He's going to be sure. around the rim. And he's going to be asked to do that. So that would be the part that scares me. If you want to do just a points and assist one, I think that that may be more interesting. Yeah. So that you just yeah. kind of eliminate some of the variables there. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the last one I wanted to talk about was Clay Thompson. So obviously he struggled through the first two games. He's had a couple of really awesome games, especially later in the series in the playoffs, but he's definitely still not himself. 
what do you think, or what are your expectations for him for the rest of the series and maybe specifically in game three? Oof, he's got to wake up. Um, it's really just the efficiency thing. Um, he, he did get torched on defense in game one. I thought he played better defense in game two. Um, he's getting the looks. He's just not knocking them down. And I, I think maybe it's the offense maybe needs to go through him a little bit more to, cause he's, he's always been like a, a, a catch fire type of guy. You know, he's a rhythm shooter. Once he hits a couple, he, he gets hot right after that. So maybe it's just the, the scheming that they need to draw more penetration and dish, maybe set a couple, um, uh, off ball screens for him to kind of get around so he can get a quick, quick action and shot. But um, he's going to need to wake up here. And I think game three sounds like a good spot for him to wake up. Um, this just seems like a game where he's been struggling so much, you know, in the course of the first two games that I think this could be the wake up call. Maybe we see Wiggins potentially struggle a little bit or, or Draymond. But um, I just don't know that I'm comfortable to bet on him yet, though. Um, it could easily be a, a game four thing where. You know, maybe it's they get down and then, you know, they, they're they forcing the issue more and they keep up the pace. Uh, I feel like this this is going to be a scheme towards the Boston Celtics that I don't want to see. I don't I don't know when it's going to take for Clay to erupt, but I, I don't know that's going to be in game three. The interesting part about Wiggins in this series is I don't know if he can struggle, really, because all of his baskets are just these easy cuts. He's just the person that has to that the Celtics don't have to account for. And if yeah, he, gets, he gets the offensive rebounds, he slashes on the back doors. He'll get a couple good looks from three, just in like, you know, the end of possessions of the ball yeah. moving around. And I think that's the thing about Clay is that I feel like in the past, Clay was going to be the number two, clear number yeah. two to pull it. He wasn't going to wait for it to get down to like three in the shot clock. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just that he's just like a step too slow or he, they're just getting out to him so quickly. He has no room to like put the ball down the floor, get a pump fake. The only thing I've seen him be aggressive with is hunting mismatches. He seems to, anytime he gets a smaller guy on him, he'll back him down and try to do the one footed fadeaway. But you know, other than that, man, I think that they're doing a great job guarding him and he just, he just doesn't have any room to get his shot off or get the ball on the ground and take a shot. All right. So let's move over to some more player prop action. So do you think the Kerr is going to end up sticking with Bielitsa and Gary Payton and, if he does, where do you think that minutes away from and where do we be getting player props in position? Uh, Gary Payton, for sure. Don't know about Bielitsa as much. I think Otto Porter and Bielitsa, I think Bielitsa probably played a little bit more just to give more variability to the shooting. I think that they saw after game one, not having shooters at the four or the five spot is going to be very hard to uh, keep up with the Boston Celtics scoring. Um, so I think Bielitsa will see minutes just not as much as Gary Payton I think Gary Payton did a great job kind of being that x-factor type of guy on defense he played extremely well and then also those second chance points and and also the, that be his ability to be able to slash because he's actually more of a of a front court player than he is a perimeter guy so I think he actually gives you some presence there without actually having to crowd the lane um, he does those backdoor cuts he slashes and he, he's always good on the offensive glass so I think he's going to be a mainstay in this lineup, especially with Andre Iguodala probably not returning um, and being a shell of himself. I think Peyton's probably going to get a lot of minutes, and his minutes will either be at the 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 demise of Clay Thompson, um, probably Clay Thompson most, and probably maybe a little bit Otto Porter if they want to go small. Maybe run Otto Porter at the five. He runs the four as like a small ball four. Um, keep Wiggins in there as well as Steph and uh, maybe pool depending on what they want to do for that bench lineup. 
I would be surprised if they took away minutes from Otto Porter at this point. He's been, if you look at the plus minus, I think plus he minus hasn't been great. Yeah. No, 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 he's been awesome. He was plus 24 in the last game. Uh, First game, not so much, but yeah. Not so much, but I, I think that the, one of their best lineups is with Porter in. So I'd be surprised if he plays less than 20 minutes. Maybe it's because I, I would like actively wanting to bet his over on some player props. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely someone that intrigues me in this game. All right, Celtics 6-0 and against the spread after a loss and straight up this playoffs. Golden State 6-7 and against the spread after a win these playoffs. What do you kind of do you think that that trend continues in this one? Yeah, I think we see Boston. I think Boston's going to get the win here. I haven't bet it yet. I'm still more on the the first the first quarter first half angle, but um, I think this is going to be a tough a tough road a tough road um, game for the Warriors here. And I think Udoka did the right thing ultimately from a basketball perspective, not trying to do too much at the end of the game when the game was clearly out of out of. Um, pretty much out of out of the uh i can't even speak <laughs> the game out, was out of, out of control yeah, yeah the game was out of reach um and so now i think this is going to be the real test what what are the how are the warriors going to be able to respond i think this is where we're going to test and see where that third quarter adjustment really happens um, i think boston's done a great job in the first half in both games and they've proven this throughout the playoffs that they they can come out shut you down um, put points on the board, and then it, it gets a little dicey um, once the adjustments come come third quarter. But, yeah, we'll see what happens there. Do you think that there's any concern from Boston? I know that they won one game, but they've really only played great in one quarter of the eight thus far. That fourth yeah. quarter, obviously, they were awesome. It was a right. high variance. Three-pointers were going in from anywhere, nine, I think 9 of 12 from deep, 140 yeah. to 16. Outside of that, the Warriors, I know it was at home, but they've you know relatively dominated the series. Um, do you think that's just a matter of you're a chase center or whatever, and you got away with one, go home, you feel happy? Or do you think there's a slight concern that they've been more or less outplayed in seven of the eight quarters? Um, I think it's definitely a thing that they've been outplayed in seven out of the eight quarters or six out of the, yeah, seven out of the eight quarters. Um, but I think that's the good thing about coming back home, right? Like, as you said, they're six and zero off of a loss. So this team is resilient. They've, They've had their back against the wall in two different series with a chance to go home and they came out on top. I'm, I think that this this team is very battle tested at this point. Um, they have a lot of playoff experience here, despite, you know, looking on the other side of the the court. You know, you have like 142 uh, combined NBA finals, NBA games, finals yeah. games on the Warriors and zero on the Boston Celtics. But um, I think that they've gone through a tougher road to get to this point. Um, and this is where you'll see their their uh, response to adversity really show out. And I think they're going to come out and I think they're going to get it done here um, and just make this. So I'm trying to think of it now, like where's this series going to go? So if yeah. Boston goes up two one, what does that do for the series outlook? Um, I still feel like this is going to be a seven game series, but if Boston gets a leg up here, the pressure goes back down, back on the warriors again. And are they going to be able to pull that response out to tie it back up at two, two? I think that they will, but um yeah, something tells me this is going to be the the, the Boston Celtics game, and, and they got to close it out here. And I think that they'll see – I think we'll see the adjustments made on Udoka's side that he didn't tip his hand at the end of the, the second game that he could have, that possibly could have given an edge to the Warriors that I think they won't have coming into game three. I would bet a large amount of money if this was available. You go back to Chase Center, you go back to California with Boston with a 3-2 lead. I think that is absolutely going to happen. And I don't know in what order that is going to happen – but I yeah. think Boston wins two of three. 
And then I think the Warriors win game six and we're at a stare down for game seven. That's how I see the series playing out right now. And that's where I thought it was going to go to. That's why I was thinking game seven, because these teams are so the variance of the shooting, but then also they're both, they can both turn it up defensively so well. Like the Warriors came off one of their worst defensive performances of the postseason and then put out the second best, uh, I think second best defensive defensive rating they've done in the postseason um, in game two. So the Boston Celtics can do just the same thing. They were played awful in that third quarter and, and, and beyond. I think they're going to get it right here. So these teams are just so close together and uh, the talent on both sides, man, I just can't, it's going to come down to game seven on the Warriors home floor. I think that's when the veteran leadership actually uh, wins out here, but I could be wrong, but I still feel like this game's going to, the series is going to go seven. I feel like it's just the variance of these quarters. Like if you look at the first two first halves, I believe it was 52-50 last game. Then yeah. what, 54-52 yeah. the game 56, before? 56-54, like? yeah. the one before that. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to see these. And then it's basically the fourth quarter in game one and then the third quarter in game two. And that was it. Like, if yeah. you're right. The shooting variance is going to have so much to do with what happens in these series. And I, I, it's an awesome series. I love watching it. I hope we get more game games like game one than game two yeah. because you can turn it yeah. off after the third quarter. <laughs> but it is going to be interesting to watch. All right, let's talk about maybe close this out with maybe one or two player props that you're like, I have to bet these right now. Yeah, so I think the first one is Robert Williams under 17 and a half uh, PRA. Also see it at 16 and a half. Uh, that's the one I, I think I'm most interested. Or it's not 16 and a half. Was it 15 and a half, actually? I, I have 11 and a half. 12. Oh, sorry, 12 and a half. Sorry, I was looking at Jordan Poole. 12 and a half, yeah, okay. 12, I see it as high as 12 and a half, as low as 11 and a half. I'm going under on that just because I think he's not healthy and um, the Celtics will make their adjustments to get more uh, ability to switch on the perimeter there and not clog up the lane on offense. Um, And then also I like Marcus smart over three and a half rebounds. He's been over in five of seven home games, 71% hit rate. I think he's going to have a way better game in game three after pretty much getting into foul trouble and not playing at all in the fourth quarter. Um, I think he's going to have a bounce back game and he's going to be that that energy intangible X factor that Draymond was in game two for the Warriors. So I love the correlation between thinking that the Warriors are going to go under their team total. So I think it's like one of four and a half, something like that. Yeah. Take the under on that, take the under on the game and take the over on Marcus Smart rebounds. I was already going to bring that up because I love <laughs> I love the idea if your opponent is going to miss more shots and you're yeah. in Boston. Marcus Smart is the energy guy. He will get the ball at at the circle and drive down the court, push the pace. Like that's what he yep. did in game seven against the Heat. And I think he had five rebounds in the first half. And mm-hmm. the over was three and a half. I hit that too. So I love that one. I think Jason Tatum over five and a half assists. Uh, I know after game one, they brought it up to six and a half, now back to five and a half. I think anytime that it's a five and a half in this series, it's probably an auto smash for me in this situation. Agreed. I think he'll be a little bit more of a facilitator than he was in game two get back to, you know, probably shoot better, but more the style of play that he was uh, playing with in game one. Uh, anything else on the board for you in this one? Yeah, under uh, under 212 was the other one, not not player prop, but um, yeah, definitely on the under in this game. And uh, glad we're aligned on Marcus Smart, man. I think this is a great bounce back opportunity. I'll probably be looking at some other lines for Marcus Smart too. I think he's going to have a really good game. All right, final prediction for the game. Give me a score. Ooh, 103. Ooh, that's slow. Let's go 106, 103. 
101. That's funny. I have written down on my page 106.97. That's pretty good. That's pretty 106? good. 106? 106 seems like the right. That seems like the right number for Boston. Um, that's why. That's the one thing I'm wondering. I'm like, oh, do I go? Do I believe that the Warriors can cover? I just don't. They just don't have a track record of it in this postseason, man. So it's hard to to trust them to stay within three and a half. Or you know, I don't. I don't really worry about who is going to cover, especially when it's under five. It's like whoever's yeah. going to win the game. It's like eighty percent cover rate. Yeah. Just who do you think is going to win the game? Let's not yeah. get too fucked about it when it's that close of a line. Also worth noting before we head out of here, this is the largest dog, three and a half points, that Steve Kerr has ever been as an NBA Finals coach with the Warriors. How insane! Unbelievable. Is that? It's Unbelievable. three and a half. It's like nothing. I, I <laughs> when I saw that earlier, I could not believe that at all. That's damn near a possession, man. That's crazy that it's always it only has come down three or less in every game that he's been a dog in the playoff history. That's just what twenty fifteen. That's a, that's absurd. Yeah, they've played like like fifty finals games or something, forty finals games, something like that. They've been a dog twice. They've been a dog twice, and they're one and one. That is crazy to me. I don't understand how that's possible, but it is. Here we are. <laughs> uh, that does it for us on Gambling with Gold episode eighty two, covering. Uh, game three of the NBA Finals. We will be back on Thursday at some point to preview game four, talk about game three, give you all of our best bets for game four, which is on Friday in Boston. You can find all of Dan's stuff at Action Network. Be sure to check it out and also be sure to play Daily Dozen every day. We will have a slate, obviously, for Wednesday and Friday for game three and game four. And we'll have a morning show with Steph Smalls uh, Wednesday and Friday covering game three and game four. So, Until then, good luck with all your bets. Dan, good luck. Let's make some money. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. Peace. 